straight up the price of admission growth stories life lessons turning points service to others truth no bullshit adding value no smoke and mirrors being the pressure third down and ten fighting below the surface win or learn always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder these are the things that i think about when i talk to this group they're still kindling that fire taken to the fleet and beyond living the values today through faith with the family and at the job obsessed with ownership and accountability winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity pedal to the metal paying the price of admission let's go Yo, Irv Spencer, what's up with it? How much, man? How you doing? You're you're a tough one to schedule, man. My life is crazy. It's it's, it's a so so might not nightmare, but it's a lot going on always. Good. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, I, uh, for the group, tried to schedule Irv a few a uh, few weeks ago. That didn't work out. We've been trying to make it work ever since, and then he goes, you know. When's a good time? I'm like, all right, let's do 6.30, you know, tonight or sometime this week. And then he said, like, okay, how about 7? And then Herb <laughs> comes back later on. It's like, hey, I'm ready when you are. Earlier the better. And here we are, <laughs> 6.11 Eastern time. So where are you living? You living on the West Coast? Yeah, I'm in San Diego still. Nice. Nice. Well, Herb, you've heard a few of these so far. Um, I'm going to do a little intro, if that's okay. Uh, and then we want to hear... Your story and, and part of the price of admission, right? So, oh uh, man, okay. I see you jumped already up in that thing. Okay, yeah, we just get going. That's the way to do it. Yeah, I see. I see. <laughs> All right. Close the door in case the key is coming here. Gotcha. Um, Irv Spencer, number fifty-five. He was a senior when I was a sophomore. Me, me and Ross and Sovi was a junior then. He hadn't hit his ninth year as a senior yet. Um, Irv's from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, high school, four-year football letterman, three years of track. What'd you do in track? Uh, a little bit of everything. My head coach um, was my track and field guy. We did discus, shot okay. put. I did long jump. Gotcha. Man, I did, I did a little everything. There you go. That's a linebacker uh, track event, shot and disc. Um, yeah. And but I did sprints too for a little bit, but which type of sprint? Like a hundred, two hundred? Yeah, keep it short and sweet. Short gotcha. And sweet. Um, you played in the Ohio All Star game, right? How was that? Yeah, I think so. I don't remember that game to be honest with you. Um, must have been I don't good. know if I've played in that game. I know I made the team, but I don't know if I've been played in that game to be honest with you. Gotcha. It's been a lot. Ago. I looked up your uh, your Navy football profile and stole some facts off of there. That's where I'm coming from. Um, gotcha. Irv hit like a freight train when he hit, you know, um, seemed somewhat uh, reserved at times. But if anyone's seen um, Monsters, Inc., you know, I think of, of Irv as the Sully, like the guy that's like the kind of, you know, takes care of of things. But then when ready to unleash the monster, he can do that if you wanted to. Right. Yeah. Um, but talk about a, an ultimate success story. I'm going to let him tell it. And I don't even know all of it. I just know glimpses and pieces of it. Uh, you moved from outside backer earlier on at the academy. You moved into the inside linebacker around 2005. Uh, Clint Sovey said you had a pregame uh, routine with him, you know, night before a ritual of watching 
How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. <laughs> you remember that? That may happen one time. I don't know if it was a regular routine. I'll be honest, man. Like, my memory sometimes, uh, that air, that period of our life is is really vague for some reason. I've survived that that season of my life um, the best I could, and a lot of the memories and stuff are not as clear in my mind as I will hope they would be. I hope they would be. I got you. I got you. Well, but so if Sophie said it, it's true though. That's my he's my roommate for I mean, a long time. I think what he y'all were probably trying to go to sleep one night and it was on TV. And you probably had like a good game or something. And then after that, I was like, man, we got to watch that every night now so we can repeat, you know, superstition. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Big Irv, man. Hey, really excited to have you on here. You're the first non-2010 you know, class, 09 season guy. So uh, let's go. Let's hear Irv Spencer's story. Start from the beginning. Uh, it's a lot there to unpack. Um, unpack. Um, so... The, I always start off telling my story, just talking about the. I mean, a lot of my story has to deal with a, growing up in a broken home. Um, I think that's what led me more than anything else to football. It was a positive way for me to to use my anger in a constructive way, probably more than anything else. The source of that anger was uh, my mom died when I was 11 years old. I end up being adopted by my stepfather and good and bad, you know, it's good and bad that come along with it. Bad part was like, we just had two different views of my life and what that would entail. I used to get in trouble about, I spent too much time in school and in sports. Got in trouble for that. I got in trouble for that Um, because he was from the South growing up. um, He was born in 19... I think 36. He's an older guy, much yeah. older than my mom. Sounds was. like it. And so he just, you know, from the South, he wanted me to learn a trade. Um, Did it, there's a certain trade. Do you remember, like, was there a certain trade he was trying to get you into? Uh, he was. He worked on cars a lot. Cars, okay. That was, so I auto. think that was a big thing for him. Um, but, yeah, so I'm named. I'm actually a junior. I'm named after my biological father. But... I was born um, out of an affair between my biological father and my mom. My biological father remained married uh, the whole time. And I ended up having a biological brother, too. Same mom, same dad, three years apart. So it was a lot of mess initially on in my life there. Sounds Um, like a a beautiful mess. Oh, yeah. Um, And then when my mom died, I was I pretty much had to make a choice between staying with moving with my biological father who I didn't have a relationship with primarily because he didn't take care or he didn't accept my brother to be his father be a son. And so that caused issues between him and my mom and so he was we didn't have a relationship. And then when my mom died, he came to the house and I was pretty much told my grandma that she wanted us to stay with her or my stepfather. Um, and no one else in my family still stepped up and take us. And so, um, yeah, I think that was part of the source of some of the anger that I had to deal with at different times. Uh, growing up, I was a late bloomer to football. I didn't start playing to my middle year in high school. 
But like you said, um, I have a way of um, when I when I put my helmet on, it's like it's a whole other personality <clears throat> in me that comes out. And I was laying dudes out starting in seventh grade. Um, interesting before that, though, I used to be chubby back in the day. Yeah. They used to call me jailhouse at the academy because of muscles and stuff, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I remember that. I remember a glimpse of it, you know? Huh? I remember a glimpse of it. Yeah, I mean, people just talk trash. Like, you don't get like David Mahoney, but like, you don't get them type of muscles in the. Yep. Just regular, them jailhouse muscles, used to call it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so but I used to be chubby and so it was my sixth grade year I think it was that I decided that I wanted to make a change for my, my body um, and so I went to the library and I go to the library and get books on dieting and exercising and I taught myself how to do it and I started working out and my body changed over the course of a year or two and then it just never turned back from nice. there um, you know that's 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 it's interesting, like, I don't think I've ever heard of a story like that, especially out of, like, a 6th grader, 5th grader, 7th grader, even 8th, you know, like, that's different, you know? Yeah, yeah, I don't, man, I don't know why God wired me the way he did, but he definitely wired me a different way, um, but yeah, I just, I made a decision, and I stuck to it, and I've been sticking to it ever since, um, but that really sparked the my ability to perform on football early on. So I played D-line. I was a running back in middle school, um, just everywhere, running fast, hitting hard. I just always a heavy dude. Yeah. So that always helped out, and being able to run helped. Um, I think at seventh grade, I wrestled um, heavyweight at 167 in seventh grade. Yep. And I was cut up the way I was. Like, it was, I don't know. It was just interesting. But, yeah, fast forward all that stuff, man, I ended up being moving out my house when I was a senior in high school. And I lived in my best friend's basement before going to the Naval Academy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that went into it. I ended up being recruited. I was on the news and stuff. I got recruited. In the, uh, I had 34 Division One scholarship offers um, leaving high school. My first scholarship offer was West Virginia um, my junior year in high school. That's when they had Pac-Man Jones, and they was in the top 25, West Virginia was. Mm -hmm. Rich Rodriguez was still the coach. Um, but when I went up there, though, and did my visit with them, you could tell the primary focus of that institution was around football. Academics was second or third, you know, down the line. Football was the main thing, and I always – I don't know. I always played football, but I never identified myself solely as a football player. Maybe some other guys did that played on our team. Yeah. Like, it, I didn't live and die football like a lot of the guys did. Yep. For whatever reason. But I worked my whole time in high school on the weekends and in the summer. Um, played what four a, years varsity. What other D1 school offers do you get? That's West Virginia junior year. What other, what other some samples of offers that you had? Um, uh, Indiana okay. University. Um, I mean, I went up to UConn. I went to Michigan State. Uh, I went to Notre Dame. I went to one of their games. I went to Ohio State, Northwestern. Okay. Um, Got it. So, I mean, a lot of Big Ten. Um, 
I think it was the Big East back then, like UConn and some of those schools there. I met Urban Meyer when he was at Bowling Green and left and went to Utah. He offered me to go to Utah as well and Bowling Green. But I think I wanted to – I was kind of more identified when going to a smaller school um, just because I didn't want to get lost in the sauce of everything. Um, I think if I didn't go to the academy, I probably would have went to Miami, Ohio. That's yeah. when Ben Roethlisberger was still there. Yeah. So I met him through that. But, yeah, Northwestern was the other place that I considered going um, to. That's probably was my number one school just because of the academics part of it. Um, but what really sold me on Navy, though, honestly, was meeting Eddie Carthen. Okay. Why? Because Eddie was the only dude that when I went on these all these uh, school visits, I was that year where a lot of the rules changed with um, recruiting, mm-hmm. where you can do certain things and curfews and whatnot. That was my year. And so, but when you go to some of these schools, though, they think they know what you want, you know, whether it's taking out, taking you out or whatever. Like, I've been to parties and stuff where the dude I was hosting me was drunk and, like, I wasn't that kid. I wasn't that guy. I didn't really have that room to make those type of mistakes, I felt. And so I wanted to go to an institution that gave me the the uh, structure I needed that I felt I could be successful in. And so the Naval Academy offered that. And I saw myself more Eddie Carthen, more of a laid-back guy, um, about his business. I saw myself more in him than I did in any other school that I went to. And that's what kind of sold me on going to Navy. Gotcha. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's a lot of my story, man. A lot of <clears throat> what you, brought me to that stage in my life. Yeah, you, you kind of left off before I, you know, took you off the road, but – uh, working through summer in high school, is that right? Or you, you always had a job? I always had a job. What kind of you know, job? I actually, I worked for the, um, I worked at pretty much every restaurant you could think of. McDonald's, I think Wendy's, Mr. Hero, which is a very local chain. Um, I worked for the city during the summertime. What was your working favorite? This, uh, probably working for the city um, because... Another thing that's about me that I think made me different is I was always good at asking questions. And so one thing that I asked, you know, I always ask, you know, guys who were older than me questions and stuff. And, you know, a lot of guys really poured a lot of good knowledge into me and wisdom into me and said, Irv, don't make the same mistakes we did. You know, they talked about the potential they saw in me uh, early on in high school and you know, and I listened to those dudes, and some of those dudes were older guys, you know, in their 40s, and working next to teenagers, pulling weeds, yeah. and doing landscaping. I was like, bruh, I definitely knew at that point in my life that um, I wanted to use my brain more than to use my brawn, you know, to earn a living for myself and for my family. So that was probably one of the biggest um, turning points or more uh, influential times in my life, just being around those other men and you know, learning from them and seeing them and being able to just have really good conversations with other people, for sure. Was, was there anybody specifically that stood out before you, you know, as you're searching uh, colleges, you're getting recruited, is there, did you have a mentor in the background kind of helping you, guide you to where, to the to Naval Academy, by chance? Nah, I have my uncle, he didn't want to just take me to all my visits. He took me everywhere. I'm very thankful for him. He helped me out with a lot of that stuff. Um, but he he actually went um, went AWOL in Vietnam back in the day. 
Um, so when I told him I was considering the Naval Academy, that really wasn't that was they were surprised that I would even choose going to the Naval Academy. So that he didn't steer me in that direction. It was actually one of my coaches. He was the O line coach, Coach Vassal. He was told me like, you know, if you go to the Naval Academy, you set up for the rest of your life, and that's what kind of nudged me in that direction, probably more than anything else. Uh, One of my other buddies, he ended up going to play at Wisconsin. And I got offered to go to Wisconsin, too. Um, but it was funny because he grew up in a family structure where his dad was a warden in the prison, a female prison. And so they kind of ran a house the same way. To mm, some extent. Interesting. Not much freedom. Um, and so, like, you know, the idea of him leaving that structure and going to the Naval Academy structure was he didn't want to be a part of that life yeah. any way, shape or form. I, on the other hand, I've grown up. Flip side. You know, my, flip side, yeah. I was growing up, when I get home from school, I was usually home, me and my little brother, and I help him with his homework, and we do our homework, and we was home alone most of the time. Um, and so for me, I always put structure on myself. Yeah. And so I didn't mind the structure that the Naval Academy offered. And it was the peace of mind of knowing that once I graduated, I'd be in a position to take care of my little brother if I needed to. That was the other reason why I chose the Navy Academy more than anything else. Not really the football part of it, but just what it what it meant for me to be able to take care of my stuff and my family if I needed to. Gotcha. All right. So then, you know, you make the decision, you go. Um, you went in direct, right? No. No, you went to Naps. Oh. Yeah. Well, how did Naps go for you? <clears throat> Naps was a kick in the teeth. Um, academically for me, um, and it wasn't because I always had good grades, decent grades in school, but I don't know, man. Like I played, like I said, I played varsity football for four years in high school. And so, um, and working, I played sports all year round. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm like most guys that when you in sports, you have your best grades, but then I always had like girlfriends or something, man. Like, I don't know. Be honest with you, I didn't feel like I really pushed myself the way I could to I could in high school or yeah. school. You um, think like you you think you did that into the naps and then into the academy part of it? Uh no, I had a mentor. I don't know if you know Dean Arton um, at the at naps, um, but he took me under his wing at the at the prep school, and he's the only reason I made it through naps. Um, honestly, I technically didn't graduate naps actually. How do you do that? One, yeah, I had a 1.999999 GPA. Mm-hmm. It was a few of us that didn't actually graduate. Gotcha. Or we was right on that cusp of not of not making it, actually. So you're like Jordan Neshek, kind of. <laughs> Probably. But I went from like a 1.3 GPA to like a 2.6, 2.7. And so then it was like, oh, okay. Like, I was culture shocked going from where I was from. I got you. Yep. Going to a Naval Academy. Um Going to the prep school, I didn't. I don't think I really understood what I signed myself up for in the first place. Going to going to naps first and foremost, um, but trying to do football and you know with the amount of credit hours we had to still take at the same time, it was just a lot. It was a lot to take in, and I remember I used to do dumb stuff like we supposed to be in study on playing the Xbox or something behind my closet because I just didn't want to do the work for some reason. I don't. I don't know, man. It was a it was it was a weird place. Gotcha. When did the light bulb turn on, though? Because you're when all Dean. about Dean. Gotcha. Yeah, Dean. Was that like halfway through the year there, or like 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. I went to ask for his help. And I think actually Coach Leonard there, um, he kind of pushed me in that direction. Like, I'm supposed to actually have a conversation with Dean. I always thank him. And I tell him, like, you know, he changed my life. Because, um, like, if a person invests as much time in you as he did in me, like, you don't want to fail that person. Sure. And that's what, that's what he was for me. Did you go to he him or did he come, did he reach out to you? Like, I think it was like a mutual thing, but I think Coach uh, at, at Naps kind of put a bug in his ear gotcha. that kind of sparked it. Um, but he used to come in on Friday. I used to go to his office on Friday after school, and I studied from like 3 p.m. to like 11 p.m. on on Friday. I go in on the morning on uh, Saturday and Sunday, and he made me read like, in class, I had a hard time. We made me read the the chapter before class started the next week. He made me do my homework by myself, and then he made me do like a oral recitation of like what I've learned during that doing my own personal reading by myself. Gotcha. And so we did that every weekend. <laughs> he made me do it all the time. Uh, write my own notes. So I used to go to class having my own notes already written, and then just using the class to kind of fill in the gaps and information that maybe I didn't capture when I first did it, but he taught me how to prepare myself and what I needed to do to prepare to be successful um, at the Naval Academy. And just because he poured so much into me, I just, I didn't want to tell him. I mean, I remember Tom sitting in his office and I fall asleep and he'll let me, he'll stay there and let me sleep. And then once I get up, he'll be there for me and just help me continue to study and get myself through. So him and his wife, um, Cookie, you know, I love them for what they, what they, represent to me in my life and it's really just a another uh reminder of how god has always kind of provided for me and taken care of me in different seasons of my life yeah one thing also like really hit me was um I, I lost my mom early on but i probably have like five or six other moms who came in my life at different times and really supported me whether it was teachers or my guidance counselors um and then some of my friends parents um, I'm really big on community. I remember growing up, um, my dad, he didn't have to take us to events because the women that was part of our church and stuff growing up used to always pick me and my little brother up and kept us involved in football and baseball and all those things my mom started for us before she passed away. Gotcha. And then you leave naps, you go to the academy. By the skin of my teeth. Skin of your teeth. You made it. So yeah. tell us that story, man. If you, what you can remember. Yeah, it's like a... Uh, Nass was a kick. I mean, the other thing that was a kick in my teeth at Nass was, you know, having to learn how to run for the PRT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've hit that one a couple of times already. You and, <laughs> you and me are in the same boat, but oh, those that don't know... Irv, like the guy's, you know, super jacked, huge upper body. Bench press was crazy. He had, you know, obviously he's like the the biggest chested uh, linebacker that we had behind behind him was Ross, right? But um, yeah, big dude running that uh, PRT is a mile and a half and similar struggle here for sure. Well, I remember, I remember my first time running, it was like a 1240, and my legs was all tightened up. Man, like, this is ridiculous. I, was, I thought I was going to die. 
like I ran the 400 meter before in middle school and stuff. So like I ran, but never at that distance. And I think I went to naps. I graduated high school with 250 pounds. Mm-hmm. Goodness. So I was always a bigger dude. 250. Always a bigger dude. And so, yeah. Do you remember your 40 time? I think the fastest I ever climbed was like a 4'6". 4'6", 40, 255. Yeah. Goodness. I believe so. But you know how it is. Like, it's one thing I run in a 40, the next thing you like, if I see the ball, it's a whole different speed, I feel like. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like that like a cheetah chasing a lion versus, you know, a, a ball or whatever. But I got gotcha. you. But uh, I was, I was going to say, also say uh, some of the friends I met at NAPS, like Antron Harper, uh, Reggie Campbell, who ended up becoming my best friend. And me and Reggie spent so much time together at NAPS and at the academy. Um, it was only a group of us. If you look at, like, the attrition rate between NAPS and the Naval Academy is ridiculous. Um, I think it was like 12 dudes who started in this group. Uh, me, Corey Johnson, a couple other guys uh, being on the fence of not graduating. Andrew Harper. There's only a couple of us that actually graduated yeah. from National Naval Academy. From Corey Johnson. Funny you bring that name up. I was being... Me and Matt were talking. We went to the Memphis game, and we were talking about, like, unsung heroes, and Corey Johnson's name came up, like, because he played basketball forever, right? Basketball. But then he he came over to to football and was just a playmaker. Yeah. But, yeah, big attrition there at Naps for sure. Then you moved to to Annapolis, Maryland. How'd that go? Well, you know, I will also say, like, I kind of lost – I don't know if I lost the love for the game. If you saw me play at Naps, me and Nick Clark and a couple other guys, like, we beat the academy a couple times um, when we was at Naps. JV? Yeah, we used to – me and them dudes used to go. (laughs) We used to go. But, like, I don't know. I feel like I lost that love for a little bit when I got to the academy. So, I'm like – Why? I don't – I don't know, bro. To be honest, I think you know. I also realized early on in high school that uh, college football is a business. Yeah, number one, sure, it's a business, and if you're not going into it trying to look out for yourself, you will be taken advantage of. I did learn that early early on. How's that? Um, I mean, just watching Urban Meyer when I was at his visit. You know, he left Bowling Green and went to Utah and tried to take me to Utah or. Even my junior, our freshman year, was it freshman year? Uh, Coach Kelly, the inside linebacker coach. Yeah. I hear good things he, about him, but never met him. I mean, he left, like, in the middle of the night and left. I think I forgot what school he went to go be head coach at. Didn't say goodbye. Didn't say anything. Just left. I'm yeah. like, bruh. Um, but, yeah. And so, like, I used to always kind of bump heads sometimes with uh, Coach Rourke sometimes, who I love to death. Um but I kind of like to practice a lot because I'm like, look, I must stay after class and finish or get some help on his work because um, especially like Sovi and a couple of the guys and I have my three knee surgeries. It's like, man, you know, if you're going to find a way to put somebody in there, whether it's me or someone else. And if I'm not playing well, you going to have someone else going there. So I got to take care of me because the one thing you can't take from is what I learned through this institution. And so that be kind of came how I thought about things and yeah, my drive a little bit kind of dwindled over time. Another reason why that dwindled for me some too is 
I don't know if you knew this. I made varsity a little bit my freshman year. Yeah. But I got sent back. Me and Coach Jones. <laughs> That's right. Coach we Jones. started it outside, right? And then moved inside. Yeah, but later. we had I mean, but we had Tyler Tillwill and Dave Mahoney. Mahoney right? Yeah. Like they was killing it. And so I was like, Yeah, man, we don't necessarily need you to go play right now. And he was like, Yeah, you're gonna be a good player here, but just not this year. And I missed I was late to our practice or something, so he sent me back to J V. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I did like even my sophomore year. Um, that's when I remember that's when Caldwell and Silk were on the inside, maybe. Yeah, right? Caldwell yeah. and Silk. Yep. Yeah. But I remember being like at the University of Maryland game, and coach like, "Yeah, man, stay beside me. You gonna get in here today?" And like, I was killing on special teams. I crushed a couple of dudes. The very first kickoff, I probably ran over like two, uh, two of their players like right away. Like, oh. Not them clean out. <laughs> I was like wired the whole game, and um, yeah, but I, I never got a chance to get in, or I don't know. It was just, but then like when stuff got bad, or sometimes like he put me in at different times my sophomore year. I make a couple of stops, and then they take me out. It was just weird, man. Yes. And I understand it too with being at the academy. It's like you know, I don't think. A lot of us have the illusion that you're going to go play in the NFL at some point. And so I think it was one of those things, too, where, you know, as long as the team was doing good, you know, we let different players play at different times, which is which is all good because yeah. we all put the time in to do it. But, yeah, I think that's when I just started to realize, like, hey, was like, I don't know. I just really started to focus on me a little bit more and take care of myself a little better, especially academically because I would struggle. What was your major? Uh, I was an IT major that went gen- that went general science. General science. Did you have to take thermodynamics on that one? Yes, sir. I, mean, I think that's why I didn't go general science, but <laughs> <laughs> you made it. I crushed. I crushed thermodynamics. It was funny. Like all the classes that people would say you have issues with, like differential equations, was the first time I got an A at the Naval Academy. That I took it during one summer too. school. That one's a big hurdle for a lot of folks. Difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. I got an A in it. I did it during my summer school. Um, but I used to go to 707 or be late to 707 because I would stay in the class after um, class was over and do all my homework right in my teacher's office. Like, I wouldn't leave until he left. Yeah. I just do all my homework with him. And I got an A in the class, A on its final exam. And. That's what really spurred my momentum as far as academically and realized, like, if you really put your mind to it, there's nothing you can't do. That's what the academy was for me. It was like, it made me realize what I could do when I really put my mind to it. Physically, like, I ended up running, like, a 945 PRT, um, going through all the swimming stuff I had to go through, all that trash, you know, really helped me realize, like, who I could become. Yeah. When I was really in tune with things spiritually, I feel like I'm going everywhere. But I apologize. Right? That's fine. No, keep it up. The less I talk, the better. So you can just keep on going, <laughs> man. Nah, man. But just I, the one thing I do regret, probably looking back at the academy, is I wish I would have spent more time with guys um, outside of the yard or you know doing different things. I think. Um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I was a mentor, um, part of the Benjamin Banneker program. They used to run it at um, 
one of the auditoriums. I forget the auditorium they used to run it at, but they used to run at the auditorium on Saturdays. What What is that so, program? The Benjamin Banneker program. Can you explain what that is? It was kids that was in the area that would come up to the academy to be tutored by midshipmen huh, on weekends, okay. on Saturdays. And we teach them like math and science. And How'd stuff. you do that when playing on Saturdays? When, when we wasn't when playing, we playing, I would go. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I would do it. Um, but actually, I think it was either my freshman, I think it was my freshman year, um, my soon-to-be sponsor. She wasn't my original sponsor, um, but her son was there. And she came up to me and asked me to be her son's individual personal mentor. And he became my little brother, man. And when I wasn't at the academy, I was there at their house. I went to church with them. Um, She come pick me up all the time. And I go with over to their house and, you know, I spend time being his brother, his father, whatever he needed me to be, whatever role he needed me to play in his life. Um, as a mentor, I helped them in that capacity and helped her and spent a lot of time with their family. Awesome. That's why I spent my weekends. Awesome, man. Selflessness right there. Big Herb Spence. Um, I just realized that there was a lot of male, there was male figures in my life that was missing that I wish were there. It was more women in my life than male figures. And so I always wanted to become a male figure that I always search for it. And so I have a question a written down here. I got a couple of questions that kind of related to that. What kind of man do you want to be? Uh, I think I'm being it right now. Um, I think part of it is, you know, realizing that, you know, a lot of people who, who know me didn't realize my story until they actually hear like, man, I didn't know you've been through all that. But yeah, like, well, I don't keep my emotions on my sleeve. Uh, first and foremost, because people around me are not the reason for why they go through different things I do growing up. And so um, everyone has something they're going through. And so I wanted to be a man of service, a man who helped other people. I remember, um, I forget her name, but it was a mission and I was walking back. I think it was my senior year. And you could just tell something was wrong with her. I think she had a death in her family, whether her father or grandfather. And I just stopped and talked to her for like 10 minutes. And like, like I could tell something wrong and we became friends. And I sent her an email with like some, some uh, Bible scriptures to help her out what she was going through. And I just want to be that guy, like never so much of my own personal thing that I can't realize that people around me are suffering to for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, Is there really important to be a good father? No doubt. Is there a certain experience um, that you had that had the most impact on that growth? Uh, just just going, just living my life growing without some of those male figures. Um, like, is there I something that, that stood out in your mind maybe when you were a little kid? Like, man, I when I get older, I'm going to do this because of this reason that I'm going through right now, specifically? No, it's probably just my mom. My mom was the, she's the biggest, has been the biggest impact on my life. And she was, so being at both of my parents' funerals, that's probably what's going, that probably what really sparked it, was going to my funerals of my parents. Yeah. And like seeing both of them and how they were completely different. One at my mom's funeral, 
Like you could see people from every stage of her life there yeah. represented. And you could tell my mom sorry. No, you good. But you could tell my mom was consistent in who she was all throughout her life. And it reflected at her funeral. Yeah. And then that line biological father's funeral, it was it was sad. It was honestly sad. Um like I didn't, I, t- I didn't want to actually go to the funeral because I didn't want to be a reminder to his wife what he was at different type, a different stage in his life. Yeah. Like the fact that the time that she supposed to be mourning the loss of her husband, she has to be reminded that he had an affair, you know, yeah. to have two children. And then I found out I got a sister too, who was older than I was, and so I was like, bruh, like it's feel like some off the TV show. That's how yeah. crazy it was. But being there at that funeral and like the, oh, the best thing someone said about my biological father was that he was a good dresser. And I was like... So did you at least get that from him? No, you didn't. I, oh, I'm a, I'm a damn good dresser. Oh, okay. But <laughs> it was like, that can't be the only thing someone know me as. Yeah. Like at the end of my life, that can't be the only thing that someone could say about me. As, yeah, that couldn't be it. That couldn't be it. I mean, that happened to after the academy, but um, I remember, like, I even got a letter that Ross wrote me still, a card that Ross wrote me about the impact that I had on him. Awesome. And I was like, man, like, you know, I'm so thankful that I was, you know, I think, I don't know if I, I don't intentionally try to do certain things in that case with Ross. It was just more of a, you know, when we got to the academy, um, we had a pretty bad stigma on us as football players yeah. to some extent. And some of it was warranted. Some wasn't warranted. Um, but I just didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to fall into that same model that we was pictured as. I wanted to be different. Um, because I did realize I was part of that cheating scandal, um, like my freshman year just trying to cut corners in areas that don't make sense to cut corners. What you see? Uh, but the pro quiz, pro, the pro quiz? quiz, yeah, pro, pro quiz, cheating scandal. Okay. If we get like a copy of the test and like um, one of our fingerprints was on it that looked different than all the other missions, it's not stupid, man. Like, <laughs> but I was part of that. Gotcha. That dumb. But after that whole thing jumped one down, um, I passed every pro quiz without having any issues because I just made it a priority to prioritize my time better. Yeah. I definitely cheated I on a couple of pro quizzes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but when I really started to just stop making excuses and just do the work, it, yeah. didn't, it wasn't the big of an issue. Right. But I was doing everything to avoid it. And I was like, you yeah, know, man, just, just face it. Just do what you got to do and things take care of yourself. I don't know if that answers your question, man. But yeah, absolutely. Um, price of admission. So you've heard a couple of folks talk about what it means to them. What does price of admission mean to you? Price of admission. I'll listen. I think I listened to the first one from Marshall. Um, you sent me the couple of other ones. I haven't had a chance to listen to those just yet, but. I think the price of admissions for me is um, it just understanding that it's a price that has to be paid. You know, before you go into anything, before you become a father, before you become a husband, 
um, before you start your own business, go to the academy. There's a price that needs to be paid. Kind of like a pro, like like your pro quiz there example. Same thing. Yeah, you you there gonna be some. I got tattoos on my shoulder, on my blade, on my collarbone. Bone sacrifice and discipline. It requires sacrifice and discipline in order if you're gonna pay the price. The price of admission, it requires sacrifice and discipline um, in order to be successful in any area of your life. Um, and if you're not willing to pay that price, then it may not be worth the door. It's the door is not worth walking through for yourself then, potentially. Yep. Yeah, what is the sacrifice and discipline? Anybody who's gotten wor- something worth it, something worthwhile, put in that sacrifice and discipline at some point, right? Yeah, if you didn't, then you missed the the purpose of what you could have, what you could have learned about yourself through that process. Yeah. If you cheated the whole process, then you just missed the the growth that you could have potentially had by going through it. Boom, shamwell. And uh, where'd you take that growth? You know that mindset, that price of admission after you left, um, you know the academy. What'd you go on and do after that? What's the rest of your story? Uh, surface warfare officer. Um, which I did really well in that, especially my first tour. Um, I got qualified right away pretty quickly. Did all like the special evolution details um, as the officer of the deck. Um, qualified EL my first tour, which was huge. What's EL? I mean, um, engineer officer to watch. Okay. Like, there was department heads on my ship, 05, who still didn't qualify EL, but I was during my first tour. Nice. Um, what does that entail? I, Just for people that don't know, like I don't really know, right? Like, what does that entail? Well, it entails you have to know the ins and out of the engineering plant. So you have to know all the capes and limbs. You got to know all the safeties and stuff in place. Um, yeah, you just got to know how everything works, where everything is. It's a little more, the more technical, deeper detail side of it. Would you say? Yeah, the standard engineer to watch, I mean, you technically on watch um, NCCS, which is the engineering plant and the control central, and you overseeing every operation, starting and stopping of engines, generators, uh, anything that go in the engineering plant, you man at the you man as an EIL. You oversee everything. Got it. Um, what kind so of ship yeah. were you on the first? All, all destroyers. I did all, all three destroyers. destroyers. Gotcha. All destroyers. destroyers. Why destroyers? Just luck of the draw, or was there you wanted to stick stick with that? Well, the first ship was because Jeremy McGown was on that ship. Um, Jerry McGown, Tim Henderson, who was my brother, pretty much at the academy, um, they were on a ship, and I was sold for that reason alone to go gotcha. there. Um, and then after that, I realized I just like the small boy. Um, destroy your lifestyle. Smaller crews, you know everybody. You have several jobs, um, collaterals. I was the first lieutenant, who means that I'm in charge of um, the preservation of the ship, the bosun mates who paint and seeing anchor detail, uh, unrep details. I was in charge of them for my first tour. Um, Which is interesting because like bosun mates are like the blue collar people, some of the blue collar people of the of the ship, and so being from Cleveland and stuff, and being from my background, I really connected with those guys. I could I could relate to those guys to some extent. Yeah. Um, and then so, but being part of 
doing that job helped me be outside during all those different special evolutions. And so when I was going for my boards, because you have to sit down and qualify to an oral board to show that you know the information. Mm -hmm. One, you got to go do the PQS or the qualification standards, get that stuff signed off. And then you have to do an oral board with the captain and different department heads to show them that, hey, you do have a level of knowledge from the paperwork level of knowledge and then the experience of being in different positions. So just my jobs put me in different positions to see different things that I was able to talk to pretty well. Gotcha. So that's what helped me with that process. Um, but yeah, I did eight years active duty. Um, my second tour was a was terrible. Um, I ended up replacing um, another guy who played ball, and they just we just you know made him with two different people, but we was the same person at the same time. If that made sense. The part that made the part that made the same was we were both big black dudes that played that did this job on this ship. Yeah, our personalities are night and day. Gotcha. But so, I fit into the same mode as with the guy that I filled that spot. And it caused some problems for me right away. <laughs> what type of problems? <laughs> he was just a different guy, man. I, I heard he used to walk around bumping guys. And I don't know, man. I, I really don't, don't know all the details about so how you're, that whole... you're talking like there's a stereotype that you, you, you stepped into a suit, right? Because this guy did it this way. There was an expectation you were going to do it the same way? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, he just kind of dug some holes that I ended up having to dig myself out of when I got there. Gotcha. And that basis. What kind of holes? Uh, I don't I, I think it was just more personality driven. Personality driven. Yeah, I think it was just personality driven more than anything else. I get along with the guy personally, but it was, you know... Every CO is a little bit different, but that CO um, that I went to, he like fired me like day one on that ship. Uh, when I was goodness, fired day when one. When I was standing on the bridge, yeah, because so I'm a very transparent person. So sure. I get off, I get to the first ship, that second ship, and I told him like, hey, you know, I've still still watching Virginia doing a lot of the operations on one destroyer, no formation steaming. You know, not meaning that I haven't been in a bunch of groups and formations with a bunch of other ships. So I came, I went over to Japan from Virginia to get some other like experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the first times standing watch with him, we was underway in like a uh, multi cell, which was like 30 some ships in formation for my very first time going up and standing watch with this guy. Yeah, were you in the I'm front? Like, yeah, I was a junior officer of the deck. I mean, like, so was your in, ship in the front of the entire formation, or where were you at? We was, like, somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. It was... <laughs> I was going to say, you leading the whole pack, or... No, no. no. Right. Man, but you get out there, and then, like, you got a radio, and you get a signal that come over the radio. Yeah. And, like, mind you, I've never decoded one of those fleet tech signals that came over. And I was like, bruh, I was completely lost. <laughs> completely gotcha. lost. Um, and he like banished me to engineering uh, afterwards. So I oh. did engineering of the watch that whole second tour. Well, at least you knew that well, right? That you wow. I did, yeah. but it was only because I got qualified on that first ship that I had the opportunity to do it. Yeah. What else Which was bad about that second tour? It just didn't go well. Uh, uh, well, the senior enlisted guy that was in charge of my division, um, 
he didn't know his job that well. A lot of things had changed in damage control since he was uh, enlisted. Like we had rapid plotting and the other couple other things that he wasn't really well versed on. Yeah. And so I just came from school. And so like, I'm trying to teach the guy to do certain things. And I don't know how it was. Um, Cause you were Marine Corps, right? Yeah. But this dude had all the collaterals in our ship. And like, he was a part of everything everywhere else that except for our division. And gotcha. so like, I kind of picked up some of that slack and like our, our LPO or our leading petty officer um, behind him was like, it was like his first time being on a boat, you know, leading the whole group. And it was just a lot. And then my XO, um, he didn't let me be me. That was the other issue. How's that? So we, I was a damage control assistant. So if a fire broke out on a ship or anything else, like I'm in charge of combating that yeah. casualty. Right. And so we run in drills and I'm like, Hey, hey XO, I'll leave CCS. I will leave the space that I was doing command and control and go down to the space where my guys were because I wanted to talk to my team leader and my scene leader and say, what are you seeing? What are you doing? What are you thinking? How can we be creative about solving this problem? I know how we've done it or how we drew to it, but what's another way or two that we could do it? Yeah. If this space was locked off or we couldn't get here, how else could you get to the space? Like, he didn't let me be myself. Like the Do some war gaming? That, yeah. Nah, I just wanted to make sure, like, if I send the guys in harm way, that I help them think about the problem. Sure. Because all the times we ran these drills, we just did the same thing every time just to check boxes. Not actually able to, like, what are we actually learning from doing these exercises? Sure. And so, yeah, we just kind of bumped heads, man. And I was like, man, like, this is terrible. And then I had a bad program I had to fix. It's just all bad. Well, how'd you deal all with that? Bad. I mean, I was sounds like it's all bad. How'd you deal with that during that job? Like, how'd you? Get I took it? care of my people. Number one, oh. I always took care of my people. That's that's number one. Um, and I just did the best I could with the job that I had. I did the best I could. I think the crew as a whole was trained a lot better because I was there. Um, I made sure we passed all our inspections first time, no issues. Like everything within my control, I controlled. Yeah. All the other things that everyone else was dealing with, I didn't, I didn't focus on as much. And I just took care of my people, the people within my influence. I took care of them. Gotcha. Any key takeaways or learnings from that? Like the next time I get a new, my next job, I'm going to do this better because of this experience. Anything like that, well, the, that yeah, the first thing I always did is now is when I check in to any new command, I always ask the CEO, XO, what are their expectations for me? Gotcha. Because one of the issues that I ran into was his expectations for me and what I was doing was not the same. Yep. And so I was fighting against him, even though I was fixing the problems that I saw that he did, may not understand. Yeah. Um, they weren't in alignment with what he wanted me to do and how to spend my time. So. Yeah, that's really important. I would never let that happen again. Gotcha. No, good good point there, man. Um, so that's number two. How about number three? How'd that one go? Well, uh, number three was good. Like, on my first ship, I was, like, top two, three in my war room. Second ship, couldn't do no good, do nothing right. Third ship, top two again. <laughs> I was like, bruh, I'm the same person. Same person, new environment. What made that new environment so good? What what made you thrive there? Just being myself. Just being yourself. Well, you were just yourself on the second one too. 
Right. I know. I know. But so this, you this realize... different environment, this third one, like there was something special about that one that allowed you to thrive, right? Just the CO. CO. The CO allowed me to be who I am. And um, he actually tried to give me too much power earlier. Like I got back to that ship. He's like, Irv, I saw you was previously qualified OOD. You know, take a couple of watches, then you'll be good to go. Like, well, sir, you know, I, I personally, I haven't stood to watch in a while. Don't just give me the qualification in my own watch. Like, I want to take my time to make sure I feel comfortable doing it. Because if you sleep in the middle of the night, if something jump off, I want to make sure I'm going to act accordingly. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I think a lot of guys don't do that, and that's why I think we had issues in the fleet with, like, accidents and stuff. Because people take on too much, take on more than they're ready, you know, before they're ready, probably. Sure. And not a, and afraid to push back sometimes. And be honest, like, hey, man, like, I don't feel comfortable up here. Why would you? I don't want you to feel comfortable. I'm even up there because I don't feel comfortable personally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was real candid. I was real honest. Um, I did whatever job they asked me to the best of my ability. Um, and I, I think that's it, man. You care. The one thing my first CEO, XO, told me was that, Irv, the one thing that you have that I can't teach anybody is that you care. Yeah. Like, you care about what you do, about your people. Like, I can't teach that. It's like, yeah, man, like, that's that's the, I mean, that's the thing you could do at minimum. You may not know what the hell you're doing, but you could definitely care about what you're doing when you do it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like 50% of it, right? That is 50%. Gotcha. So that's your third tour. And is that your entire eight years in after that, you transition? No, I went to shore duty. Um, okay. I was at EAP. I was an engineer assessor in Pacific Fleet, meaning... We used to do all the certifications for engineering plants. Um, for I did all gas turbine ships, um, so like destroyers, cruisers, um, mine sweeps. Um, I'll go in there and do some of their inspections and help them get laid off and be able to go out and do good things for the navy. Gotcha. And I did really well in that tour too. So it was just that one stint in my career, that one tour that really kind of made, you know. Taught you a lot. Yeah, it probably taught me the most important lessons, though, that I needed to prepare me for the things that I'm doing now. So what are you doing now? Uh, I'm a reservist uh, now. I'm over here at Third Fleet, and I'm a financial advisor um, full-time now as well. Financial advisor, so... Um, some examples of, of things that you do on a day to day. What are those? Uh, call people and be on the phone with people all day, every day. Um, trying to help them create a create a vision for themselves, clarify things for themselves and their family, and show them what's possible. You know, through intentional planning, is what I do as a financial advisor. You good at it? I think. I'm great at it. I'm yeah. great at it. Where do people I find think, you? Like, if they want to seek Irv's services, where do people get a hold of you at? I got my website, one, um, and I can send you that as well, so you have it. No, tell everybody. Then, What's it called? Uh, I had to even look it up on myself. It's, it's, my, it's just my name, uh, Irvin Spencer at NM.com. Okay, there you go. At NM.com. Tell you how much I'm actually on the website myself, but that's one way to get to me. But primarily, most people I talk to, um, it's just through referrals. So it's usually just a phone call for me to introduce myself, and we kind of go from there. Gotcha. 
Well, um, what about your family? You said you're uh, you're with the family on vacation, man. You got family? Yeah, I got a wife and and two kids. Uh, I got a six year old and a nine year old boy, um, who are awesome, full of energy. Um, keep us running around. They both are like super intelligent, athletic. My oldest son, my nine-year-old, his first basketball game this last season, he had 30 points. 30 points, He bro. scored 30 points? 30 points. Goodness. The score was 34 to 32. <laughs> they was down. Are you teaching him selflessness, Irv, or is he just a baller? No, I teach him leadership. Leadership, And okay. I teach him this league he's playing in right now. He's probably the best player in the whole league that he's playing in right now. Yeah. Probably the best, first or second best, second player in the league. And so, because he played for another travel team, and he's not the best player on that travel team. So, he played on both leagues. Yeah. Um, but I tell him, like, man, depending on where you are, like, there's things that you can learn. And so, like, when we play on the Parks and Recs team, like, all right, well, how do you make your other teammates better? Gotcha. How do you set them up well? You know, how do you mentally prepare yourself in the game? I help them with, like, awareness of the clock, you know. Just the mental part of the game, because you know, I don't know if my son to play in the NBA, which is one of his goals. But if I could help him think, yes. um, whether he be a coach or a commentator or whatever he may end up doing in sports, and I just want to help him to think about the game at a higher level than than I ever had the chance to think about me growing up. Yeah, no, you hit it right on the head. You said he scored 30 points out of the 32 or 34, I'm thinking. 34 points, yeah. Oh, 34 is thinking, all right. So he's just, you know, getting the rebound on one side, dribbling all the way down, scoring a point. Like, that's where I was going yeah. with that. But you, you got it, man. The, the teamwork part of it, definitely. I can see you all over that, you know, just teaching them the right things, mental part of the game, like you said, how to care. Well, because – I do vision statements for my sons before the season starts. And we talk about, like, what do you want this season to look like? How do you know this is going to be a good season? What things, what skills you want to work on? You know, I just try to help them visualize what they can do, what's possible. Yeah. I think about, I tell my son, like, man, like, I don't know how good of a football player I would have been if I would have had someone pull me aside every now and then, like, just look at my strengths and weaknesses, kind of really help me think about it, understand it, think about the game at a higher level. Um, yeah, like, yeah. I just, I reacted. That's what I did more anything else. I just react. Yeah. I see something, I go, I go. Yeah. But I was pretty good at, like, if we watch a player or something and they practice enough where I'm really good at, I see something, I can react to it. I see it and I go. I see it and I go. Yeah. Um, but if I really, really, really slow it down and try to really understand the game, like how Ray Lewis mastered the game, just knowing where he needed to be and all those different things, like that's what I'm trying to help create in my son. I got you. It's help them master the game and not just not just play the game, but master the game. Awesome. Sounds, uh, sounds like you're sense. a good mentor to them for sure. Do Doing you, my best. Do you have any mentors today for yourself? Uh, I'm actively looking for them in just different areas of my life. In the military, I'm definitely being more thoughtful about keeping, you know, O sixes or people around me to ask questions. Um, people that have been before me. Um, I probably have like a bunch of like 
unintentional mentors. One of the reasons why I got into finances was because my sophomore year at the academy, I was on a midshipman cruise, and I met another um, football player. He was there. He played at Grambling, and he was the captain of the ship. Yeah. And I asked him. He told us he was a millionaire already when I met him. And he said, um, I asked him, hey, what would you do differently if you was me? Um, me being a sophomore, he said, I would have started investing my money sooner. And so that's what kind of sparked my brain into investing and stuff. So I started investing when I was a junior at the academy where my career started on. But it was because of what he told me, that one CD planted in my head that kind of yeah. stuck with me. Gotcha. And that's what got you into finance after the fact, too. Yep. Gotcha. Just that one seed. So I got a bunch of like those like instances where somebody just said one or two things to me and I just took it and ran with it. Like I don't need them to keep watering it. Just plant that yeah. seed and I, I keep I keep take care of that seed you put in my hand. Yeah, try and understand what people are doing, right? They're doing something, right? You gotta figure out where that one seed came from, you know? Like You gotta ask questions. No doubt. Two members don't ask enough questions. You still keep in touch with uh Reggie Campbell or Tron? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do my best. Casey Aber is my other best friend that Aber. I play, play ball with. Um, he's in Japan right now. Greg Sutter, I talk to. He had called me out the blue and just, you know, talk trash. That's just Greg Sutter. Uh, Thrasher, a couple of guys. But um, we like in the group chat, group chat every now and then. Gotcha. Yeah, we do the same thing, man. Class-wise, anyways. <laughs> That's yeah, good. I want to do better about it. Just you know, it's only but so much time in the day, man. And exactly. You I'm know? trying to be the father of the year and husband of the year too, and yeah, and then set the, and set the right time for this podcast, and just making <laughs> sure that hey, earlier is better. Hurry up, hurry up, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying to do my um South Cal SoCal uh, football meetup too again. I used to do before COVID every third Friday. We used to get together um, here in San Diego. Um, part of the reason I started for me was because Keith Asante. Yes. You remember Keith Asante? Yeah, I've, I've spoke about him already in another episode. You got to catch up, man. Yeah, yeah, Keith. No, Keith dead, is dead. I he know. Me to suicide. I, oh, yeah. I, I talked to him when I was talking with Clint. Okay. But I saw him on a ship. We was on a ship. I was with my command at EAP. He was an MCM run. Um, and, you know, I saw him. I was like, hey, what's up, Keith? And, like, it was just crazy. And then later on to find out he committed suicide. And I was like, man, that's when I realized that the brotherhood is not really the brotherhood the way I want it to be. Yeah. And why I needed to do something different um, as far as – I just wish he would have gave me a chance to know he had something going on in his life. And, yeah. You know, if we had the brotherhood, like, we could have the brotherhood and – Maybe we could have kept him from taking his life. And a couple other guys who took their lives too, man. Like, yeah. Just how community took care of me. I want to create community within our own groups. Um, the brotherhood in particular. Um, to support each other and help each other do different things. Because it's, it's hard. Yeah. You know, constantly moving. Trying to raise a family sometime from afar. That's hard. We need other guys to go through the same things. To learn from each other and take care of each other. Yes, sir. Another reason why I started this, too. We talked about Blake Carter a couple of times. Um, remember that? Yeah. But it's uh, it's a crazy world, man. And you never know, like you said from the very beginning, what people are going through, right? Never know. It just We got to just challenge ourselves not to be so busy to realize that that person is too is suffering. And whether they said it or not, you can see it in their face. 
Yeah. Whether you said or not. So from sleeping on your bed's friend or in your best friend's basement in high school, senior year to engineering uh, on ships now financial manager. Is there anything you could you wish you could uh, tell your younger self to do differently after that entire journey? You know, I think if anything, I would have just told myself. Um, I would have just let myself know that you you are you are capable of doing so much more than you probably can conceive at the moment. Um, I probably would have pushed myself and challenged myself at different times uh, more than I did, especially the earlier version of myself. Um, but you know what? I also give myself a lot of grace as well too because. I understand like how much I've been through to get to this point in my life and realize like, you know, if my story was some other people's story, you know, maybe their life don't end up the same. Yeah. So I kind of gave myself, I give myself some grace on that too as well. So, you know, I believe God gave me everything I needed at every stage in my life. And that's probably the thing I would have told my younger self is like, God is, God has a plan for you that you don't maybe see right now, but just keep, just keep learning what you need to at that season in your life and it will pay off well in the long term. Gotcha. You got a good Danny O story? <laughs> Man, like I can say me and Danny O, we always, we always bumped heads. Um, but Danny O, like the thing I loved about Danny O, it was that he always tried to push me and he saw i feel like he saw so much in me actually we talked to him before and i told him like i kind of apologize man like i don't ever really i don't think i lived up um to what i could have been for navy football yeah i had a pretty decent career but i don't feel like i lived up what i could have been for navy football so but i appreciate him for him pushing me um standing on top of me and not letting me settle he used to tell me every man leave some of that stuff you know Leave it in the locker room. I think I was just like a big mental case. A lot of stuff going on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I probably my favorite story is like Paul Johnson though. Um, yes. Just remembering one time me and Reggie, we was a, a captain meeting with him, and he was at his desk, and you know how Coach Johnson wore those sh- them shorts, like them wore shorts, mm-hmm. but he was like sitting on his desk with both of his legs on his desk like are you you can see like his you know like his crotch like wide open like he's just sitting there talking to you like <laughs> <"Bruh,"> like <laughs> do you not have any awareness like we sitting right here in front of you got your legs wide open like, but he kind of like told us that he wasn't gonna leave and then he ended up leaving so i don't know uh yeah after he left to yeah go to georgia tech georgia tech yeah gotcha <clears throat> well is there anything else that uh or wanted to talk about on here before we wrap this thing up? Uh, I think if anything, I will add to it. Uh, and if ever, you know, any of the younger guys that um, at the academy now and stuff too, is just have a vision for yourself, man. And don't be afraid to pursue your vision that you have for yourself. Even if it's contrary to what other people have for you or see for you, if you have the best intentions and you try and do the best things you can for yourself and have a vision for yourself. Like I had a vision of being the team captain at the Naval Academy um, on the football team. Um, I was team captain high school as well too. 
Um, I've been a team captain on pretty much every team I've been on to some extent, though. That's just kind of who I am. Um, I, don't, I don't mind taking that role, but I wasn't, you know, voted outright team captain for our team. It was Jeff DeLiz that year. And I ended up being team captain um, after the fact, after he hurt his foot. But it was – I just committed to the process. Like, Irv, you know, I can't control if I'm ever voted captain or not, but I can – Work hard in the gym when I'm in the gym. When I'm at practice, I'm going to work hard on my practice. If I'm in Bancroft Hall, I'm going to make sure I don't be a reason why that we don't look good as the brotherhood, you know. And I just kind of committed myself to that process and just be the best version of myself that I could. And if the opportunity came, I was going to make sure I didn't eliminate that option for myself because I didn't have a vision enough to help me guide my actions. Does that make sense? Yep. So that's why I would just kind of leave is just have a vision for yourself. It may not always, from point A to point B, it may not be a straight line. But as long as you keep working, whatever path you got to take to point B, you know, I trust that God has a plan for you, you know, and just pursue it. Do the best you can and take care of the people around you. And life take care of itself. Boom. There it is from Irv Spencer. Um I got one last thing for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went to, you pursued this path to take care of your little brother. How's your little brother? My brother's good, man. He has his own things he's going through. Um, one thing I'll say about my little brother, he started doing some things in his life early on that I didn't necessarily agree with. But the one thing that I have peace of mind is um, he didn't learn certain things from me. My brother started smoking, for example, but he never saw me smoke. He never saw me do things. My mom always told me to be a good example for my little brother, and I always kind of lived accordingly to make sure I was a good example for him. But he's his own man. He got his wife. He got two kids himself. He's in Cleveland now. He just started a job at Sherwin Williams. I think I was like a manager, um, something there. He kind of struggled through his whole entrepreneur phase, and now he just kind of focused on like what he could do to provide for his family right now. And he's in a good spot, man. We both finished high school. He finished college. Um, you know, considering everything we both went through to get to where we are, like I think my mom will be pleased. Awesome. Goosebumps. All right, Irv. Uh, awesome talk today. Thanks for getting on. Uh, we made it happen a little earlier. Yeah. Than, than we thought yeah. it would. But, yeah, uh, which is great. Uh, do me a favor and tell, tell the family I said hello, all right? Yeah, I heard some kids in the background, too. How many kids you got? I got three. I two little girls uh, and uh, and a boy, 10. So That's where the hairline went. Yep. <laughs> the exactly. girls hey, you too. I was going to say the same I thing. You got... I know, man. Mine just escapes out of the back, though, right there. <laughs> yeah, I see that. <laughs> hey, I'm going to keep lining it up. I want to keep growing in there, though. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, man. Good talk. All right, man. Take care. Good talk. Talk to you later.